Welcome to the Hoosie Podcast with me, Phil, and today we have the Gallifrey One Convention Diary, day one, Friday the 13th of February. I've actually been here now for two days, I actually arrived on the Wednesday the 11th. So the last two days I've just been kicking around, drinking a few beers, and uh, just uh, finding the lay of the land. So today was the convention proper, this is when everything just kicked off in anger, and it was an early start. So after a quick breakfast in the hotel, I made my way down to the Marriott Hotel and uh, for 10 o'clock and for the basically the opening ceremony, which lasted for about, you know, about half an hour. Now, amazingly, one of the questions that was asked was um, how many people actually attended uh, the convention for the first time. And amazingly, just about everybody in the auditorium put their hands up, which I think shocked the organisers. They then asked how many people had sort of been to the convention before, and basically only a handful of people did. So obviously this was only attracting people like myself, who had never, ever been to Gallifrey One. So, uh, yeah, quite a few newbies come along this year. So I felt, uh, I didn't feel quite so alone. Now, for those of you who listen at home never been to Gallifrey One before, uh, which was pretty like myself until this year, is that they have stuff running all day long. There's panels going on, uh, there's other little bits and pieces. So there's always something happening. So they have actually got five programme halls on the go, basically, all day long. So there's always something to do, uh, but sometimes it can be quite difficult to sort of juggle the hours of the day and see what you want to, you know, what you, you really want to see, because sometimes the panels that you want to go and see will clash. However, kicking things off for the convention is the mighty Radio Free Scaro with their panel behind the magic, which basically just covered all sort of behind the scenes uh, cast and crew. So that was actually quite an entertaining panel. Unfortunately, they had a couple of people drop out, uh, Peter Harness, uh, Rachel Talalay, uh, for just naming two there. So they had a bit of uh, filling in to do and uh, extra guessing. So um, fortunately, Andrew Cartmel was on the, on hand to, uh, to, to step in and uh, talk about things. So um, again, I have sort of heard things he's, he's said before, but it's always interesting to, to hear. And also... The Radio Free Skyro guys are very, very good at interviewing people on stage, so it makes for a very, very entertaining hour. But also taking part during their slot was uh, Chip from the Two Minute Time Lord. Now, he apparently didn't make it last year, and uh, so he didn't wasn't able to contribute anything. But today he did a nice little rousing little speech or presentation, whatever you call it, on rediscovering your fandom. And basically talking about the wilderness years of Doctor Who and uh, sort of rediscovering everything when it all uh, came back in 2005. Now, the thing with Chip, he's an extremely eloquent podcaster and uh, puts me to shame and puts other podcasters to shame as well. So just to see him on stage, not using uh, any cue cards or in from a script, he had everything memorised. It was uh, basically like watching a master at work. And uh, he got a rousing reception uh, when he when he finished his slot. So, when the Radio Free Scaro panel had finished, I hot-footed it over to Programme Hall B, where there was a panel called The Early Years. Now, this featured such luminaries as Caroline Ford, 
Derek Sherwin, Wendy Pabry and Fraser Hines. It was good to see them on stage again and obviously Fraser is full of stories and uh, he also likes to tell a few off-colour stories about Patrick Troughton and today he told one about a film during The Mine Robber where basically he ended up with the director turn to get closer and closer to the mine robber and uh, Patrick Troughton to stay where he was and uh, basically ended up with uh, Fraser Hines uh, meeting two veg perched on the edge of the mine robber's desk. Um, he's probably trotted out this many, many times at many, many conventions, but hey, it's Fraser. You know, it's always good to hear him uh, sort of talk about these things. Um, and also Caroline Ford, who has seemed to be quite bitter about her time on Doctor Who. Um, she mentioned that, you know, her part was severely whittled down, um, was told during the pilot by Sidney Newman to tone down the weirdness. Um, and she sort of felt a bit short-changed, really, because she was always uh, sort of captured or fell ill and they had to be rescued all the time, and that's not quite how she envisaged her character to be. Uh, Wendy Pabry um, told a nice story of uh, when how she became Matt Smith's agent, um, with a very, very lovely story, and quite a sweet story as well, how uh, sort of Matt Smith um, still uh, still keeps, uh, keeps hold of the letter that she wrote uh, to his university, uh, because they wouldn't release him from his course to uh, take part in a, in a play that uh, she got him a part for. And she did seem quite generally touched by that. And uh, I think it just goes to show what a, a thoroughly nice chap that Matt Smith is as well. Now, Derek Sherwin. Now, he's uh, getting on in years now. And he's sort of, unfortunately, in a, in a wheelchair now. So that was actually quite a... To me, anyway, it was, it was quite a shock to see. However, he actually spoke quite at length about uh, John Pertwee. And he said that uh, it was an absolute joy to work with and what a fantastic actor he is. And I'm always glad to hear that because um, listeners to this podcast know that Pertwee is my doctor. Um, he also said that he wrote um, a new series for him after Words of Gummage had finished. Um, but unfortunately, after he, he wrote it, John Pertwee uh, came to the States to do a convention. That's when he died. Um, so um, he never got made. But he said that it's actually um, he's now touting it around again now and he sort of updated the script. Um, how lucky he'll be with that, I don't know, because I must be honest, it didn't sound that great um, a concept, to be honest. It's, it was about a, uh, um, a a robot who never does things right. And um, yeah, it sounded a bit hackneyed and cliched, if you ask me. But uh, haven't read the script. I'm probably doing the man a vast disservice. But you know what I'm like? Highly critical over absolutely bugger all. So after that panel completed, I had a bit of time to kill before the next one um, in the afternoon. So I was just sort of milling around and catching up on emails and tweets and Facebook and whatever. And the thing about Gallifrey One is there are absolutely hundreds of cosplayers here. Now, um, the weird thing is, there's a lot of Doctor Who cosplayers here, as you would expect. It is a Doctor Who convention. However, there's also this weird thing with uh, people dressed up in animal onesies, uh, which I do not know what this is about. Um, other people I've spoken to here do not know what it's about either. I'm hoping by the time I go home on Monday that I have some vague idea of why people do it. But there's also people cosplaying from computer games. I even saw one for Assassin's Creed today, for argument's sake. Uh, there's also one from, for Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. Again, what it's got to do with Doctor Who, I don't know. But it's just good to see people getting dressed up. It's also been exceptionally warm here in Los Angeles. I mean, for February, it shouldn't be 80 degrees. So everyone's actually quite shocked about it. But 
it's different to being at home, to be honest with you. It's actually quite a bearable heat. And me being a ginger, I don't like the sunshine. So it's actually not been too bad. But for all the people cosplaying, especially the ones who have come dressed as Tom Baker, who've got big floppy hats, curly wigs, scarves, jumpers and jackets, um, they've been doing a damn good job in keeping cool. However, the older series of Doctor Who, which I should call the classic series, seems to be pretty underserved when it comes to cosplayers. I've only seen one Pertwee, one Colin Baker, I've seen about three Tom Bakers, uh, I haven't seen a single Peter Davison yet, Loads of McCoys, I've got to be honest. But the, obviously the biggest winner here is the Matt Smith Doctor look. Now obviously there's plenty of people walking around in tweed jackets and bow ties. But there's been a couple of people who have gone for the purple frock coat look, which I understand, and I've obviously seen the cost of some of those jackets, like £350 a piece. Um, I can imagine that's why people have gone for the tweed look, because it is a, a cheaper option and actually sort of uh, quite easily achievable. However, there didn't seem to be that many Peter Capaldi cosplayers here. I think I could probably count them on one hand. Now this actually quite surprises me, because Capaldi wanted a costume that people could easily replicate. But it is only day one of the con, so maybe more people will turn up tomorrow. But not only has there been plenty of people dressed as the Doctor, there's been plenty of people dressed as his companions as well. So there's been plenty of people dressed as Amy Pond, River Song... I saw a Sarah Jane yesterday as well in the Andy Pandy outfit. Even one as Donna from The Runaway Bride. But the weirdest one I've seen so far is a man dressed as a gigantic banana. Now, the only link I can think of this, how it, it links at all to Doctor Who, is the line that Chris Freckleson said in the first series, that bananas are good. However, I don't remember seeing a man dressed as a banana, so the link is tenuous at best, I feel. But anyway... He was having a good time, and at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Now today, I was actually hoping to try and speak to some of these cosplayers and interview them for the podcast. However, I was so busy flitting backwards and forwards between panels, the opportunity just didn't arise. And when the time did arise, I just wanted to have a drink and something to eat because I had nothing since breakfast. But what I hope to do over the next couple of days is try and interview some of the cosplayers because I'm quite sure they've got some stories to tell and I'd like to know how much effort they've put into these costumes because some of them are rather elaborate. And I think listening to them talk is probably better than me talking bollocks for the next couple of days on my own. Now, let's get on to the next panel I attended today. This one was called End of an Era, The McCoy and McGann Years. And this one featured Sophie Aldred, Angela Bruce... Mike Tucker, Terry Malloy, Matthew Jacobs, and, again, Andrew Cartmel. It seems to be the ubiquitous Andrew Cartmel. Now, this was a really, really entertaining panel. Everyone had some really good stories to tell. Matthew Jacobs was actually very, very uh, interesting when talking about the writing process on Doctor Who the movie and how his vision of the story got changed and uh, redrafted by um, by the BBC and by uh, 20th Century Fox as well. So it did sound to me like he was stuck between a rock and a hard place. Angela Bruce told some very good stories about her time filming Battlefield and uh, also sort of tried to take a prick the balloon of pomposity when it comes to acting as well, where uh, people become the parts when they put on uniforms and uh, which she thought was absolutely ridiculous. Um, until she put on the Brigadier's uniform and the same thing happened to her. 
But after that, it was time for a quick bite to eat and a couple of beers with uh, Pete and Paul from the Pharos Project. And then it was on to my final panel of the day, which was Doctor Who visual effects. This one featured Danny Hargreaves talking about all these uh, explosions that he's made for Doctor Who over the years. And this one was moderated by Nicholas Briggs. Now, Nicholas Briggs is always good value for money at conventions, and he's a very, very good moderator as well. So before Danny Hargreaves was brought on stage, they had a little uh, montage of explosions that he's done for Doctor Who over the years since he's been involved with the show. Now, for some reason, they were beset with technical difficulties with the sound for this video. So Nick Briggs very bravely uh, decided to put his own sound effects over the top, um, which sort of raised quite a few laughs from the audience. Now, I did actually attend another panel earlier on the day, which I haven't yet spoken about. Now, this one was with Nick Rabato, who does all the, yeah, basically does the props for Doctor Who, and it also uh, does all the stuff for Rubber Toe Replicas as well, which we've featured on this podcast before. Now, all the way through it, they were beset by technical problems with the microphones. Now, this is one for the kids at home. This is like watching a Norman Collier variety act. Now, for those who don't know who Norman Collier was, or he was because he died a couple of years back now, he was a sort of variety comedian. Um, he's, he's basically, his entire act, he used this thing where his microphone used to cut out, um, which he just used to achieve, not by any uh, technical trickery, just by using his voice. Um, I used to find it hilarious when I was a kid, and um, as I say, he built an entire career off of just doing that. Now, this is what, the, unfortunately, this panel was like. Um, they kept swapping microphones over to absolutely no avail. They just would not work. Now, unfortunately, this did ruin the panel somewhat. Uh, Nick's microphone was the only one that actually worked properly. So the uh, moderator, who's uh, Stephen Hill, who actually I didn't know until today, is actually responsible for Gallifrey Bass, um, you couldn't actually hear what he was saying. Also, for the people who come up to uh, ask some questions from the audience as well, as the microphone set up for them also didn't work. So the gremlins really were at home today. But anyway, back to the visual effects panel with Danny Hargreaves. Now, once they got rid of all the problems with the, uh, the video sound, um, it turned into a very, very interesting panel about how he got started in the industry. Um, and some of the audience questions for him were actually really, really good. And some of the questions actually made sort of uh, Danny Hargreaves have to think quite hard because um, he's been doing this job for, uh, well, basically since the show came back in 2005, more or less. So he had to come back to some of the questions later on once he had to have a, a bit of a think. So, as I said, the questions put to him were, um, well, some of them were quite tricky. But anyway, that leads me up to where I am now, uh, sitting in the hotel room recording this. Um, so that's that has been uh, my day and, and the end of a very, very long day. So anyway, hopefully um, I'll be back again tomorrow with um, a diary for day two. Um, hopefully I'll have some uh, people that I've spoken to as well if, with, with uh, luck on my side. That's what's going to happen. So until tomorrow, dear listeners, it is goodbye from me, Phil, and I shall see you next time.
were listening to the Who's He podcast. Please visit our website at who's-he-podcast.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast. And please also join the Who's He podcast Facebook group. The Who's He podcast is a member of the Doctor Who podcast alliance. Mm-hmm.